What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show presented by Direct TV Stream. I'm your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or listening wherever you get your podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button because tonight we have to talk about a raucous day of college football. Michigan gets the upset of Ohio, over Ohio State. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. Oklahoma State downs my Oklahoma Sooners. And what does all of this mean for the college football playoff? Let's go. It's the number one ranked show. All right, so off the rip, we have to talk about Ohio State Michigan, which we're so used to going one way. As a matter of fact, this is the first win that Michigan has had against Ohio State since 2011. We're coming up on 10 years of absolute dominance from the scarlet and gray that ended today, mostly on the back of Hassan Haskins, who you can see right here, was having an absolute day. I mean, look, you could give it to Donovan Edwards, you give it to Hassan Haskins, you could give it to Blake Corum, Michigan had decided today we're just going to run all over and stop Ohio State from doing what they want to do. And I thought the thing that was really impressive to me was that Michigan was able to play the kind of football that has become synonymous with Jim Harbaugh. We're going to run the ball. We're going to control the clock. And we're going to play outstanding defense, which is easy to say. But when you've got Ohio State's offense up, that you're up against, one of the things that we always think is, hey, at some point, that team is going to start clicking. Ryan Day's aggressive offense is going to hit you over the head for perhaps 50 points. And that never happened today in the 42-27 win. But again, as much as I want to talk about how great this rushing attack was, I really need to give credit to that Michigan secondary, which really clipped that three-headed monster at Ohio State of Chris Olave, right, of Garrett Wilson, of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Even as C.J. Stroud had what looked like a Heisman performance, you weren't able to punch the ball in. You weren't able to convert on third downs. You weren't able to keep the drive going. And when you gave the ball back to Ohio State, you got Hassan Haskins doing this. As a matter of fact, during the Big Ten media days, I got to talk with Jim Harbaugh about his team. And I had to meet guys like Aiden Hutchinson, who we'll talk about here in a bit, and Josh Ross. But Hassan Haskins was there, and he was a little bit quiet. But I asked Jim Harbaugh about him. He said, that's just his way. Son Haskins is one of my favorite football players. And I thought that was curious at the time. I don't think it's curious anymore. This man was absolutely wanting to bring all of his body into every one of his runs. He was ready to truck Ronnie Hickman. He was ready to hit anybody who was ready to come downfield on him. And that offensive line was just moving Ohio State. I've never seen this season a team move Ohio State's defensive line like this one, except the last one that did it. So you remember, I'm the guy telling y'all, hey, but Ohio State lost to Oregon, okay? You look at this Michigan football team, and you will see Super Oregon. They had not one, but two outstanding defensive ends. Aiden Hutchinson not only was eaten today, he broke a 25-year-old school record for sacks in a season today, getting into the backfield and taking C.J. Stroud to the ground. He's got 13 this season. He gets to play in the Big Ten championship game 
next Saturday, for which we'll have a live tailgate event to tell you about in a little bit. You also had on the other side, David Ojebu, who was also in the backfield, right? Big number 55, dropping back in coverage. I wouldn't do that too often, like putting him on wide receivers and whatnot, but they were able to do it. And one of the reasons that they were able to do it is because they could get consistent pressure up front. The other thing I thought was really important about this game was just how Michigan never let up. Lots of opportunities for them to just sit on the ball, for them to forget what they're doing, or to go into halftime and think they have this game won. As I was watching this game earlier today, right here in the Fox Sports studios, with Beanie Wells, with Cardell Jones, with Jeff Schwartz, I kept asking some version of this question of, how much longer do we think Michigan can keep doing this? And as the clock kept ticking, and I saw Hassan Haskins go into the end zone, not three times, not four times, but five times, tying the school record for TD, rushing TDs in a game set in 1968, it was becoming clear to me that Ohio State had no answer for what Michigan was doing defensively. And you got to get stops to get the ball back so that your offense can score. Now, the thing that I thought was really interesting is perhaps, wow, look at that. Man, look at this. That's the poster, man. Like, all due respect to Cam Brown on that play, but your mama saw that. I saw that. We all saw that. Hassan, you need to get that one blown up. Have that one put in the hall right next to where they think they call themselves Michigan men. Be like, nah, nah, did you do it like number 25 over here? Because that's a game of games. So actually asking this question of Beanie Wells and Cardell Jones, when's the last time we saw a tailback from Michigan completely dominate this game and win it? They couldn't really get back to one in which they'd seen. Mike Hart had been great, right? But did he dominate this game in a win? Had to take it all the way back to Tim Biaka Batuka. That's how far back we had to go to find another Hassan Haskins type of performance. And all credit to Jim Harbaugh on this. Who earned it, man? 0-5 going into this game against Ohio State with losses to both Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. He's got an abysmal record against top 10 opponents. He gets one in what looked like horrible temperatures and weather and absolutely grinded out a signature win in his way. And he had quote of the day. Some people think they were th uh, that were born on third base think they hit a triple. Talking about Ohio State and perhaps Ryan Day who inherited a Lamborghini because Urban Meyer left it in such great condition and all he's had to do was drive it. Now, I wanted to ask this question of you on the Twitter. So if you followed me at RJ underscore Young, you saw this and I was looking for replies and Producer Cat was kind enough to come through them when I asked, where should Michigan be ranked in the college football playoff rankings this Tuesday? Let's see some of your tweets on the board. So here we got Kayvon Thibodeau. This the man, right? This, this, this the man. That, that, that's the man. That's Ric Flair over there. That's the nature boy. He said, I think we will be number four, but probably will end up being number three because Alabama will have to play Georgia. Now, this is interesting. Saying that he thinks they're going to be number four with two losses, I think is nonsensical. I think that's, uh, shall we say, wishful thinking on the part of Big Cinco. But they took care of business against Oregon State in their rivalry game today. They will represent in the Pac-12 championship as the Pac-12 North champions, which was, you know, not a sure thing. If Oregon State had showed up and beat them, 
perhaps they get in, perhaps Washington State gets in, it would have been anarchy. All right, producer Cat, show me the next tweet in this we out here. Okay, we got Crispy. I like that. I don't know what we're doing with the avatar, but I like Crispy. Okay, says two is where he thinks Michigan will be ranked. Best win in CFB in college football. One lost team headed into being the favorite in the conference championship. There's an argument for this. And the argument is stomping a mud hole in Ohio State and walking it dry, okay? We're going to give as good as we get. Y'all hold that water for Oklahoma. But I think he's got a really great argument, especially as we'll talk about a little bit later, because of how Alabama has performed. But there's another team that y'all are sleeping on, and they're from the state of Ohio. Produce Cat, let me see this next We Out Here tweet. Brian Twining? I think that's it. If I said it wrong, you you know, just hit me up with the audio on the Twitters because I like to get these pronunciations correct, but I'm going to just go with Brian for now. He says, below Cincy, who should be number two. What? Ah, I have no truck with this. This is, this, is, this is a man who likes my top 25. That's all I can get. Brian, yeah, we, impossible is nothing. No, I'm with you. I like this. All right. Now, Ohio State fans. We have had an on-again, off-again relationship, and I understand it, right? Because I'm not loyal to you any more than I'm loyal to Oklahoma. What I'm loyal to is winning. I like winners. I think you play the game to win it. Now, we're going to get to my squad. We're going to get to my squad. But I had asked, how are y'all feeling after taking this hard L for the first time in nearly a decade to a team we all thought you should beat. You are a seven-point favorite. That's more than a touchdown in Ann Arbor with that high-octane offense that still can be the first team since 2007, Tulsa in 2007, to have a 4,000-yard passer, three 1,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher on the same team. But Michigan's going to be like, yes, and we beat that 42-27. We got Joe over here who, wow, sent me a TLDR. Disappointed for the team and the great upperclassmen like Haskell, Alave, Wilson, etc. Pity for that team up North fan. You can say Michigan, they won. Because Jimmy will find a way to fail in the Big Ten title game. And excited to see OSU hang 80 on that team up North in 2022. Unless they leave on a high note and join the Mac. All the shade in this tweet. All right. It's a lot to take apart here, but the first is nobody wanted to be the team that ended that streak, right? We're talking about an entire class, um, fifth-year seniors, quite honestly, at Ohio State that don't know what it means to lose to Michigan. So for guys like Olave, for guys like Haskell Garrett, for guys like Garrett Wilson, I feel for them as well. For guys like Travion Henderson and C.J. Stroud, you get another opportunity to do this. Now, <sighs> fail to win the Big Ten title game, all right, have you thought about what that would mean for Ohio State? Because when I'm just looking at this, you want Michigan, well, y'all probably know, never want Michigan to do anything well, but you really want Iowa to be your Big Ten representative? Because then you ain't got no shot to make the college football playoff, and at the very least, you don't get to say anymore that we lost to a college football playoff semifinal, which is what losers do. I know this because so many people have told me this about losing to Oklahoma, okay? The other part about this, yo, the, the Mac part, what the Mac do to you, dog? 
except give you great football on Tuesday nights that you don't deserve. The MAC plays outstanding football. I don't like the MAC shade here, but the back in 2022, to see him hang 80, we'll see about that. And for those of y'all that don't remember, because I do, in 2020, there was all this scuttle about what Ohio State was going to do to Michigan, right? Michigan's having a bad year, two and four, that the game wasn't played for the first time in 102 years. And all Ohio State wanted to do was to get one in on the Michigan Wolverine. And now we got Michigan looking at you like, how you feel about yourself? What we learn? What we learn? We got Aiden Hutchinson claiming this to be the best day of his life. Saying, hey, look, I heard you when you said you were going to drop 100 on me. Saying, yeah, I heard you. I saw you when you were stepping on my jersey. Look at you now. I'm with Aiden on this, man. If you get roasted, you get toasted. That's the rules on the show. All right. Producer Cat, let me see this next tweet we have. <laughs> My man, he took the M match straight up. All right, we're going to go with Jay Miller. I feel bad about losing, but I feel worse for the players and coaches. Poor players, it will get fixed. I trust in Ryan Day. I think that's sober, right? I think that is the right thing to say. And Ryan Day said, look, this is an absolute failure for us. That's how it felt for him. And he had talked earlier this week about spending every second thinking about the game, thinking about beating Michigan, because it means something different in Columbus, Ohio. I think it even means something different in Columbus, Ohio than it does in, in, in Ann Arbor, especially here of late, because that was a streak they were very proud of and one they wanted to keep going for some time. All right, we get Michigan facing Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, just like we all thought would happen at the beginning of the season, right? It's one of the reasons that this season has been so outstanding and awesome is almost nothing has gone to plan except perhaps Georgia, who's destroying people quietly, beat Georgia Tech 45-2-0 and looks far and away to be the best team in college football, and we're all really playing for second. But on that note, Ohio State fans, remember I told you you're going to get yours, and I told you all on the Twitters, Come hungry, okay? I'm serving up. We got to talk about Oklahoma taking an L to Oklahoma State, 37-33. I got to blame Producer Cat for putting this one in the show. I looked at the rundown. I was like, do we, do we got to spend a lot of time on this? I got, you know, we got stuff to do. I, don't, I ain't got to be here all night talking about what Oklahoma State is or isn't. But she said, RJ. It's a show about college football and the college football playoff national championship. Look at this. Look at Brennan Presley. Brennan Presley from Tulsa. I'm just telling y'all, you know, he ain't getting no OU offer, you know, out there smacking. All right. Does a Big 12 championship win for Oklahoma State get them into the playoff? Now, this game was all sorts of topsy-turvy, you know. We had Perion Winfrey out there making plays. We had Kayla Williams putting the ball on the floor. We had outstanding defense play, particularly in pass, by this Jim Knowles coordinated defense. Look at Spencer. Why y'all letting him just run like that, man? Like, I'm having to watch this show in front of my crew and everything, and y'all embarrassing me in front of my people. So that's how this felt. Because you're up. You're up. What is Eric? 
Hey, hey, Lincoln, it's a running back that was back there catching punts. I didn't know if you knew that or not. You got Marvin Mims over there, but you know, maybe, maybe you knew. Maybe you knew. Shout out to Caleb, though. He tried late to try to win this game for them and came up just a little bit short. I think with the win against Oklahoma and perhaps a win in the Big 12 championship game against the Baylor team we'll talk about here in just a little bit is enough for an argument to be made for Oklahoma State to get into the college football playoff. But you still need some things to go your way, right? You need Houston to upset Cincinnati, right, in the American championship game. You need... You need the college football playoff committee to forget that Notre Dame exists, right? And you need Iowa to come get you a W against Michigan. And then I think it's, it's foregone, right? You don't need, need to worry about what Alabama is going to do in the SEC title game. So it's all there for Oklahoma State to have the best season they've had since 2011 for sure, but perhaps the best season that they've ever had, period. One of the things that we do in Oklahoma is mock the Pokes over that 1945 national championship that they claim because that's Army's national championship and the entirety of the universe seems to know it but them. However, wouldn't it be something if Oklahoma State can bring a national championship to Stillwater and be the team that brought something to the state like a national championship for the first time in over 20 years, something that Oklahoma couldn't do especially given what you've had Mike Gundy be here all these years, what Spencer Sanders has been through, having Jalen Warren emerge when I thought that running back room was going to be led by somebody else entirely. Really an outstanding story, and I'm really thrilled for these players who busted their behinds, who stuck with it. Malcolm Rodriguez, in particular, that's Wagner's own. I remember him as a Wagner Bulldog. I know what it means to that city for him to lead that defense. That's a safety to drop down to play linebacker, y'all. And all he's done is blow up. And I don't understand how he's not a Buckus Award finalist, but that ain't necessarily my area. As for Oklahoma, this is it, man. This is going to be the first time in six years that Sooners have not won the Big 12 championship and haven't played in the Big 12 championship game. Meanwhile, like Michigan, Oklahoma State plays in the first Big 12 championship it has ever had the opportunity to participate in, and it looks like the favorite going in against Baylor. Really outstanding for them. Happy for y'all. Come roast me on Twitter. That's what you need to do. That's what we're here for. We're here to have a very good time. All right. Got to get hot a little bit because now we've got to talk about Alabama and its 24-22 win in quadruple overtime against Auburn, who was 6-5 and five before this game kicked. And look at this. I don't know what it was that Alabama was thinking about for the first four quarters of this game, but it wasn't football because this was bordering on the worst performance that I've seen by a Nick Saban football team ever. You got the backup quarterback in, in T.J. Finley, who's not bad, but is the backup for Auburn. You got... Perhaps what we thought was a Heisman candidate at quarterback who can't get things started, who looks like he's rattled the whole way. You can't actually run on this defense. And it's 10-0 deep into the second half. You find a way to claw back and what people would call a Heisman moment for Bryce Young. Now, my problem with calling anything a Heisman moment for Bryce Young in this game is he played like boo-boo. You can't tell me you got a Heisman moment because you came back to win this game, making plays like this. Now, 
I'm inclined to pick on that Arkansas game where he went for 500 plus. Give me that. And as we're talking about what Alabama has done, question that I put before y'all and myself, quite honestly, is who should be the number two team in the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday? So I asked you, I want to see what you have to say. So we put it to the tweets, right? And in putting it to the tweets, what did we find, Bruce Cat? We got Cornell Woolridge. I like this. Renaissance XM says Michigan or Cincinnati, Bama needed four overtimes at home to beat an unranked team without its number one quarterback. That is not number two stuff. See, we, 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 we see eye to eye. We understand each other. Because what y'all tell me is, it doesn't actually matter what your record is. It matters how you look. And this is the third time that Alabama has looked terrible. Matter of fact, it's really the fourth time. Because we got a Florida team that we know is bad, who got its head coach fired, that they nearly lost to. We got an LSU team that we know is bad, whose coach has resigned, that nearly beats you. We got an Arkansas team that was held to zero, zilch, nada, by Georgia, that you had to absolutely worry about in the fourth quarter. And now we had Auburn, who was a two-point conversion away from beating you in the Iron Bowl. A bad Auburn. An Auburn that lost to South Carolina, Auburn. No shade to South Carolina, but you know who you are. You're bowl eligible. You're not playing for championships. I think we are ranking the brand that is Alabama and not the team that is Alabama. And you know this about me. I believe you should rank the team on the field, not their colors, not their name, not their head coach. So if we're going to do this, you should consider that. All right, Producer Cat, let me see the next tweet we had that you like for this. Cedric Allen Gaines, I like it, three names, said Michigan for sure as the number two team. Bama and Cincy still at four. I get that winning matters, but I still feel as if Cincy and Bama played right now. They do 40 on them. This doesn't matter, though. Bama ain't making it past UGA next week. LOL. We still don't want to give Cincinnati their respect. We'll address that in a little bit. I am with the Michigan ahead of Alabama here. And the reason is Michigan destroyed Ohio State today. Okay? If we're taking a look at Alabama's best win so far, we're really talking about Arkansas. All right? Losing to Texas A&M. A Texas A&M that just lost to LSU. For the first time, it feels like Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, those are your three best teams in the SEC West. Ole Miss, they're not going to have another opportunity. It's really got me scratching my head about whether or not we saw the best Lane Kiffin Ole Miss team we could have seen in that Alabama game because I think we're still ranking Alabama number two on the strength of that. So I think they're at the very least going to fall to three. Now the question is going to be, again, who's two? So I'm with Cedric on this. Producer Gat, let me see this last one. I was told this one might get a little bit underneath my skin. All right. Michael Christian, what you got, Mike? Saw definitely not Cincy. Mm-hmm. They would be the fifth best team in the SEC West. 
not interested in watching them get blown out in semis. Am I watching football or are you watching football? Because we're not watching football together. That's, that's my first thought. The second thought is, Cincy beat Notre Dame. Same Notre Dame, it's 11-1, okay? Beat Notre Dame on the road. Has destroyed almost everybody else, okay? My third observation on this is, did you watch the 2020 Peach Bowl? Because I did. Did you see Georgia needed a heroic JT Daniels-led drive to beat Cincinnati in a de facto home game? Because I did. For the second year in a row, Cincinnati has finished the season undefeated in the regular season. It's got one of the longest win streaks in college football today. If nothing else, they have benefited from what Central Florida did in 2017, what Boise State has been doing over and over again, but also what they did in 2020. If you can do it again, this committee will seem to give the respect that apparently Michael doesn't want to give them, but to call them the fifth best SEC team in the West, hey dog, April 17's over there. I would love to see Cincinnati play Alabama. I would love to see Cincinnati play Ole Miss, but you know what? If the rules are win every game, why are we still talking about this? But the other part is, do those kids' efforts not matter? Now, I'm, I'm always going to appeal to the human being that you are. Because if I go 12-0, I want my shot at Bama, at Georgia. I don't care what you think is going to happen. I earned that. You know how I know I earned that? Because we started the season with 130 undefeated teams. At the end of the regular season, we're down to two. One of them is a juggernaut we all agree on. The other one is Cincinnati. Cincinnati also pushed that juggernaut last year. You can tell me you think it's a different team, but then I would tell you, aren't they all different teams? So wouldn't you rank them all accordingly? Now, excuse me for approaching college football with a level of logic and reason that I would give to every single sport. And oh yeah, those all have real playoffs. All right, now... We got to get into Cincinnati just a little bit more because today they finished their perfect season, 35 and 13, a uh, 35 13 win, excuse me, against East Carolina. But I also want to talk about Notre Dame in this because I think when we talk about the college football playoff rankings, we're going to see Georgia at number one, probably going to see Michigan at number two, and then we can have a discussion about Alabama and Cincy. I think that Cincy could have a really good argument for that number two spot. I just don't trust this committee to do it because. They're still getting used to this. It was their first time last week when they ranked Cincinnati, a group of five team, inside the top four. I don't know they have the courage to do that again. But as I watch Luke Fickle with these pull-ups and his kids get in here on these pull-ups. First, if you watch the pull-ups, you'll see. Look, what are we doing here, man? What, what, is, what is that? Is that a new dance move? Is that a new TikTok challenge? Uh-oh. Ah, ah. Man, you too old to be trying to do this. Those aren't even real pull-ups. No, those are half seats. Not three. Look here. Uh, I, look, look I'm, give me full pull-ups. That's all I'm saying. You're going to do it. Go all the way with it like you did the 12-0. and 0, Okay. So if we come down to Cincinnati win their conference championship against Houston, I think that it's over for Notre Dame if the college football playoff selection committee sticks to their protocol. 
I have no idea if they will because they broke it twice already this year. But one of the protocols is conference championships matter. Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference. It's in an open marriage with the ACC. It's in an entanglement with the ACC. So I kind of want to get into what this could mean for Cincinnati if they lose, though, because there's some New Year's Six Bowl options here that we're not talking about, right? So let's say the Big 12 championship game has Baylor in it. They beat Texas Tech today, 27 to 24. They improved to 10 and 2. We also have UTSA losing today, devastatingly, 45-23 to North Texas. They're no longer undefeated. But the reason that this matters is if you get a Houston that upsets Cincinnati, right? They win the American Championship game. But if you have a Conference USA champion like UTSA that goes and wins their Conference Championship, perhaps you got a toss up there. Would you rank Houston ahead of UTSA? Who's to say? If you have Cincinnati lose that game though, right? Or excuse me, win that game. Now you're talking about Cincinnati staying in the playoff. And then it really is about would you put a two loss Houston, a two loss Brigham Young, BYU, or a one loss UTSA in that playoff for that highest ranked New Year's Six berth. And this is why I would continue to say, even though UTSA took its first loss of the year today, they have everything to play for. You got to play this thing all the way out. Win the games as much, or I say, go win your game and then see where everybody else lands. If for some reason Cincinnati does you a solid, you're there. You have a conference championship to show. BYU does not. Notre Dame does not. Perhaps you get into that New Year's Six Bowl, but that would have to mean that the College Football Playoff Selection Committee wants to rank you higher than 22. It's another reason why I say these rankings have to matter from one to 25 and not just one to six. Okay, I want to tell y'all this has been awesome. Being in studio for one of these game week shows, had so much fun with it. Also, there is no live show next Saturday. We'll do a playoff reaction show for Selection Sunday, though, because I will be in Indianapolis to do the live tailgate event. And then, of course, we're going to take a look at what the college football playoff selection rankings look like or selection committee's rankings look like on Tuesday. I'm also going to do a Spaces with my man Jeff Schwartz. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. Our intrepid producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. I got John Hill on the camera. I got Jeremy Bimbo on the camera. Sarah's out here just following me around doing this Lord's work. Niles Owens is on the switches. Guy Rachel Cohen doing our lead of screening. And yes, thank you to our sponsor, Direct TV Stream, for all of this. It's gonna do it. Doses.